Trump fights back against Twitter. Hong Kong is no longer free and autonomous. We discuss this week's report card with Dave Bratt. And Doug Wilson stops by the Falkirk Center for the first time to talk about the state of American religious liberty. All of this on the Falkirk Center podcast starting now. Hey, welcome to another exciting edition of the Falkirk Center podcast. I'm with McDreamy Dean, Dave Bratt. Dave, how's this week going for you so far? Good. Very exciting. Very exciting big, week. Big news week. Lots of things happening this week. First of all, uh, state of the hair is going good. State of the hair is still good. State of the hair. I, yep. I think it, I salons think are open. Yeah. Got it trimmed a little bit. I like it. We're I good. like it. It's all good. So I look this week. There's no shortage of he- headlines. Minneapolis is 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 rioting right now. Yep. Uh, it's a horrible situation that's taking place up there, um, and we're praying for the folks that are there. We're praying right. uh, praying yep. for the families there. Um, I want to talk about uh, the Trump uh, EO uh, just issued yesterday. Um, you know now social media platforms are liable, uh, no longer protected, uh, but are subject to the same liability uh, that news organizations and elsewhere are. Yeah. Uh, yep. for, for bearing the truth. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's going to be a tricky one because the language you could drive a Mack truck through. And mm-hmm. so uh, it's going to come down to how the judges are going to rule and act on it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think Zuckerberg has it right with Facebook. And, and Twitter and Facebook are both platforms. They've agreed right. that they, they are information platforms. They're not editorial news. Yes. They don't comment and make opinions. So now Twitter has shifted. Mm-hmm. They're making opinions, and they're only making opinions on the president. And so the White House said, really, no comment on Iran, uh, on Israel's existence, yeah. right to exist, yes. that no comment on terrorist claims that are all over Twitter, right. just on the president of the United States. And so I think Twitter goofed, and the, uh, the Wall Street Journal had a nice piece on that. And yeah. it, it says, really? Yeah. You, it, Trump was in a little bit of news trouble yes. at the beginning of the week. Right. And now Twitter, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Now, now Trump's looking strong yeah. because uh, this it's not going to play out uh, toward Twitter's advantage, mm-hmm. I don't think. The moment you decide selectively yeah, to go in right. and censor, yep. uh, the moment you show your bias, yep. right? Yep. Uh, and the moment you weigh in, you better be prepared because yeah. uh, I think it, it demonstrates to the rest of the world hey, this person has a selective bias. This is the only thing, selective outrage. Yep. This is the only thing they care about. Uh, and so you have to then treat everybody fairly. Right. And Twitter right. doesn't seem to want to do no. that. And uh, yeah. a lot of people have used that platform uh, for malice, for ill will, for, for uh, many other things. And you think about what takes place around the world. How many users worldwide? I mean, it, it's an incredible okay, amount. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a huge number. So, uh, you know, Facebook is close to something like seven, eight hundred million users around the world. People uh, share all kinds of information that way. uh, You think about uh, just a few years back uh, with both the Muslim Brotherhood um, and then uh, the Muslim state that was going across uh, in Iraq. They were using that to share information and content and all of that. It's all over. That's right. So and and a recruiting tool. So, yep. uh, but but then again, in American politics, they select moments when they want to right. weigh in. Yeah. So, well, and that yeah. that'll be interesting too, because Zuckerberg, 
they haven't editorialized, mm -hmm. but there's good evidence that they, they have rigged the uh, search engine, you know. Resios <laughs> and, and right, the like. Right, yeah. and so that, yeah. that, that'll, that'll be next. Right, but absolutely. But I, I just want to comment because this is the Falkirk Center. It, today, uh, we uh, interviewed Justin Danhoff, uh, on, and he's head of Free Market Center. And a lot, what we're talking about has to do with freedom. Mm -hmm. And it's just very interesting when you talk about free markets, right? To, to have free markets, you have to have a lot of competition. Yes. And so what you're seeing, everything we're talking about, right, today, Twitter, there's no competition mm -hmm. for that segment. Mm -hmm. Facebook, very little competition, right? These are many monopolies. Right. Big government, uh, big data, mm -hmm. big AI, right. big, everything's big. There's nothing small. And it's causing this nation troubles yeah. on issue after issue after issue. And that, that is like the founders knew better. Yeah. They separated power every way they could. Yeah. And they, I, they never would allow, this shouldn't be allowed under antitrust, right? Once you get sure. 10, 20% of the market, yes. you're no longer competitive. Yeah. And I think the nation, the strength of this nation of freedom was also on market freedom and yeah. the ability oh, absolutely. to choose. Right. And you're exactly right. When, uh, you know, most of the sectors, the major sectors, including technology, yep. are so heavily regulated Banking, or airlines, controlled by oligarchs. Automobile. Yeah. I just go right down the line. Yeah. And so then it creates for an illiberal right. society. No, it is. It's, it's controlled. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I want to transition then to another topic, and this is really important. Yep. Uh, the state currently, uh, one country, yeah. two systems, right. Hong Kong, it looks as though, big surprise, <clears throat> yeah. China's reneging on yeah. their their bargain. Right. Right. This all goes all the way back to, to 1997, yep. when everything was turned yep. back over right. to China. China made a promise. It was a 50-year promise. 50 years. Uh, they're, they're, are they, they going to make it? They going to make it to 50 years? Uh, no. What's happening right now? I don't think so. In right. China? And so uh, China basically said, uh, you know, we have the Iron Curtain right. around all of China. They have an information wall. You can't get in there. Uh, cyber Internet, they've got it locked down. Mm -hmm. Hong Kong's the exception to that. And it's Hong Kong Chinese, right? And so it, it shows you uh, there's a free Chinese people who are hugely successful. Yes. And there's an unfree Chinese people who are being dictated to by totalitarians mm -hmm. and tortured by the CCP, the Chinese yeah. Communist government. And so what they're telling us is they're willing to forego all of the economic power they have uh, via Hong Kong, which is huge, by the way, right? Mm -hmm. All of the, they, China needs dollars. Right. And they get those dollars through Hong Kong. It's yes. not because Hong Kong produces everything, it's but it's the, major, it's the market. Right. And it's the trading hub and right. the financial hub. That's it. They're willing to forego all of that because they cannot risk democracy breaking out. Mm -hmm. And so we'll see the young people over there in Hong Kong, I think they're going to put up a fight because yes. they know what's coming. Mm -hmm. And so this is going to have huge repercussions. We have every major firm you can name in the American lineup has a, a major base in Hong Kong. Yeah. And they're going to get hurt because of this. Mm -hmm. And so we'll see. But uh, it's interesting. huge news. You know, it sets up this whole the whole paradigm of choosing between freedom and right. prosperity. Yep. China knows freedom is a huge danger to yes. their control. Oh, absolutely. And they're willing to sacrifice prosperity to grab a hold of the freedom. Right. They don't want it. And so they know that's going to bring great harm to their yep. market and their financial security. Yep. But they need to make sure that a free Hong Kong doesn't wreck their plan, 
Xi Jinping sees it as a threat, yep. right? Um, here in America, it seems as though freedom is pitted now against safety. Yeah. And people are trying to promote f safety above yeah. freedom. Right. Oh, we've got to be safe. We've got to be safe. Yeah. Where in the world was it in our founding principles documents anywhere that the founders were concerned about safety? Right. It was always dangerous, yep. right? Well, I mean, and, <laughs> and, and that what's that lead to? We're getting soft. Yeah. And guess who's not soft? China. Yeah. And they're testing us. And so thank goodness Pompeo, Secretary of State Pompeo today, uh, yesterday, uh, says no, no, no to Hong Kong. Yeah. It says we're going to fight back and we'll see about that. Mm -hmm. And I think we better, right? Because Hong Kong, if we don't stand there, what's next? Taiwan, mm -hmm. the South China Sea. Yeah. And then if they get that, Korea. Mm -hmm. If they get that, uh, Japan. Yeah. Right? Uh, Australia. Mm -hmm. So that whole, and it all hinges on this move. Yeah. Hong Kong first. And if we don't stand tough, and I think the president will. Yeah. It'll reshape, literally reshape the world as we know it. Global it security, will. access yep. of power, all of it. Um, what else in the news this week that is big that we need to be made aware of? Yeah. Well, just, uh, just the ongoing news of, of China and the finances, right? A, a couple weeks ago, President Trump shut down the thrift savings plan. Yeah. Uh, now he's moving on uh, investing in Chinese firms, which okay. are not audited. Mm -hmm. And go out and see Justin Danoff today, who we interviewed on the Brat Pack. Right. And, and go Google him. Yeah. And follow what he's doing, because he's showing Americans think that these Chinese firms they're investing in have balance sheets and profit statements that have been audited mm -hmm. by the SEC. They have not. Mm -hmm. Guess who uh, was responsible for, for giving them uh, that latitude 20 years ago. Who? Joe Biden. Ah! Shocker. It all comes around. Right? So, and that's the deal. That yeah. was a big deal. And yeah. then they get uh, access to trade, uh, and uh, we'll see. And so, and that's what Pompeo said this week is mm. we can no longer consider Hong Kong autonomous. Right. They're going to be under the thumb of China. And if they are, they don't get any of the special deals. Yeah. Access to the World Trade Organization. Uh, access to our markets in the same way they do now. And so it's, it's just huge news, China, China, China. And the coronavirus, the evidence is going to come in on that. Right. The origin, China, China. I think, I think someone around here it's just told us, away. Trump tweeted out last night, one, one word tweet, China. China, that's <laughs> so it. That's China. the news. That's yeah. the news. And that's around. And guys, uh, just in case, subscribe us, like us, check out uh, the Brat Pack. Uh, currently, you're on episode number four or five. Yeah. Yeah. And so Dave is uh, making ways there and lots of, lots of good information. Everybody needs to know about uh, where it comes to global security, markets, uh, information of what's going on in China, Hong Kong, and everything else. Um, definitely check us out. Uh, also, FalkirkCenter.com for our articles. And if you have a son or daughter looking to enroll in a Christian university, check out Liberty University, liberty.edu. Find us out there. Um, and Dave Bratt is Dean of the Liberty School of Business. Douglas Wilson, right with us after this. Hi, welcome to the Falkirk Center podcast, Falkirk Center for Faith and Liberty, right here at Liberty University. And with me this afternoon, I am joined by Pastor Doug Wilson of Christ Church in Moscow, Idaho. He is also an author, writer, blogger at Blog and May Blog. Um, you can see his more recent film on... 
Amazon Prime, and that is Man Rampant. There you can stream it. He is also um, a professor at New St. Andrews College there in Moscow, Idaho, as well. Welcome, Doug Wilson. It's great to see you this afternoon. Thank you. Privileged to be here. Well, you are a man of ideas and a man of thoughts, and uh, you're not afraid to voice your opinion. And, and these days, we need people with more intestinal fortitude uh, when it comes to responding to uh, issues in the public sphere. And uh, Doug, I appreciate so much uh, your wit and your humor, oftentimes in the way you write. One of the things that's um, on the forefront of everyone's conscience right now uh, in, in the wake of COVID-19 and even in the aftermath, it's certainly not over yet. Um, there are arguments you're seeing a, a separation state by state between blue states and red states in terms of how governors uh, issue different orders, how they're um, trying to go through the process of a phase one and reintroducing and reopening uh, the economy. Um, I, you know, I want to first of all get your take of the situation. Uh, just currently as it stands uh, there in Idaho and elsewhere in the country, just inventory of what you've seen and what you've observed in the past eight weeks. And then I want to talk a little bit about how Christians should think about uh, civil disobedience uh, as it pertains to Romans 13 and other passages in Scripture. Yes. So what, one of the things we've seen here in Idaho, we're, we're up in the chimney of Idaho, and as a pastor, I was just talking to someone earlier today about this. Our county had five coronavirus cases. Mm. I think it was five. Uh, no hospitalizations and no deaths. So uh, in terms of ministering to people who have been hurt by the virus directly, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have no experience. Yeah. I don't have any experience because we were touched very lightly. We were impacted drastically by the governmental actions in response to the coronavirus, treating us as though we were New York City. Yeah. But but Moscow, Idaho is not man is not Manhattan. Uh, we're not Wuhan uh, in China. It was it was a good example of how government doesn't have the appropriate feedback loops. They don't have the input inputs of information to know what to do. All they all they can do is do a one size fits all approach. Mm. So they they slam the mandatory lockdown on the whole country as though the whole country was a nursing home. Yeah. But but, but it's not. Mm -hmm. And and so I've had to uh, in terms of her, helping hurting people. Yeah. I've had I've had to help people who have been hurt by the government. Mm. I have I have not yet been called upon to help anyone hurt by the virus. I've I've had to help a lot of people and have, have had to speak to a lot of people who are reeling from what their government did to them. Mm. That's a very good point. I think about what uh, Reagan used to say uh, the law of unintended consequences in terms of, you know, the, the, the most dangerous words uh, in the English language, I'm here from the government and I'm here to help. Um, right. And, uh, it, you know, there's this, uh, there, there was, a, early on, there was a sense of um, 
solemnity, uh, sobriety with the introduction of this 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 virus that uh, there was a real fear. I think all of us, the, the, the unknown, what was it? What is this all about? What is it going to, sure. what implications is it going to have? Well, that was early on. And now we actually have empirical data. We have um, scientific data. We have a lot of um, cases where in uh, New York City, New Jersey, and elsewhere, uh, where these are happening in hospitals and nursing homes where people uh, are already ill or, you know, there's a comorbidity rate that is really high. Uh, and so people who are otherwise sick uh, get even sicker with this virus. And uh, policies that were introduced by the government uh, to make matters far worse than they should have been. Um, so, yeah. Yes. Go ahead. So if you were to take a, a thought experiment, if you were to take... A, um, a graph of 20 years and where you had a simple bar graph going up and down of uh, instances of airborne respiratory illness. Mm -hmm. It would include everything, corona, the flu, any kind of airborne respiratory illness. And you put that um, a bar graph of all those years and then you mixed the years up and didn't label the years. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't be able to pick 2020 out of the lineup. Very good point. Yeah. Okay. We, it, when it comes to airborne respiratory illnesses and deaths from them, we've had an average, maybe slightly above average year. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. If you were to do this, if you were to do the, to do the same thing on bankruptcies, unemployment, um, mortgages going overdue, all the economic ramifications, and you were to make an unmarked bar graph. And you said to people over 20 years, which one is 2020? Well, it's this, it's this skyscraper in the middle, right? Uh, we have, and, and you can show how deep, uh, and, uh, how deep and how idolatrous yeah. our faith in the state is. Yeah. Um, the state, it keeps getting credit after they've failed again and again and again. Mm. I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but whenever politicians are on the television calling for reforms. Mm -hmm. What they're wanting to reform is all the devastation caused by the last round of reforms. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's right. Yep, I agree. They're trying to fix. They're trying to fix their their fixits. Yes, it's no good. Not, yeah. we got, we need to stop playing ball. Yeah, I totally agree. And and that that has really been what the 20th century, uh, you know, this is just another, this kind of a quick aside, but from Wilson to FDR to LBJ to uh, the modern uh, Democratic Party with under Barack Obama, there have been waves of this kind of liberal statism uh, and the sort of the organizing machinations of government uh, getting bigger and stronger and controlling everything from, um, you know, inflation and monetary policy policy, to taxation, to major sectors of the economy. Uh, right. And so what we're seeing with healthcare and the healthcare industry and insurance and big pharma and uh, medical supplies is that there's there, the little man is squeezed out of this altogether. Government is coming in to try and play savior. Uh, and many of the policies that have been implemented by the government have uh, 
gave spraying this problem on us. So um, China being the, the largest producer of our pharmaceuticals and our medical supplies. Um, so here we yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I know in the domain uh, and in the circles that you are in and in, in writing and often responding to is there's this larger, there, Evan, in, within broader evangelicalism, Big Eva, the, the term that is being thrown around these days, um, it seems as though there are those who, um, who still listen uh, and give credit and far greater credence than is necessary to uh, mainstream media and to the government talking points uh, and say, okay, Christians, what we need to do is just listen to what they're saying on TV, uh, irrespective of what the data is showing us, uh, right. and we just need to hunker down and just obey uh, the authorities. The problem that I see, Doug, is that which which authority and which magistrate, uh, which governor, which I mean. So there's all kinds of contradictory information. Even Fauci now is contradicting himself um, in right. terms of what he said earlier and now what he's saying later. In my own state. Uh, we have Governor Northam, who's now saying, yeah, we'll reopen, but you have to wear masks. Most people haven't been wearing masks, to be completely honest, have not been wearing masks this entire time. Now he's saying you got to wear masks uh, if you want to go in any public places. Um, right. and, and CDC and, and others have contradicted whether or not that's even effective. What are your thoughts? So uh, the first question I, I, I would want to ask yeah. is, where is, I know that you're the governor, for example, of Idaho or Virginia. I know that you're the governor, but I also know that we are a government that stipulates limited powers. Yes. Governors are not satraps. They're, they're not dictators. Mm -hmm. uh, if the governor came out and said, everybody tomorrow is blue t-shirt, you know, blue t-shirt day, mm -hmm. I'm decreeing that you must wear a blue t-shirt. Um, and there would be Christians who would say, Romans 13, we've got to do, you know, we've got to do whatever he says, whatever the man says. Mm -hmm. The issue is, and this is the, the thing, we are a government of laws, not of men. Mm -hmm. I do believe in Romans 13. I do believe in submitting to the existing authority, which is the Constitution. Mm. Okay? So if, if I were to get attacked, let's say I open up the mail and I get a tax bill from the legislature of North Carolina. Well, I'm in a round filer. I'm going to wad it up and throw it away. I have nothing to do with North Carolina. They're not in charge of me. It's not. That's not our system of governance. Right. Right. Or if the legislature of Idaho says you've got to wear a blue T-shirt or you've got to do some, or you've got to go put your nose on the wall or you've got to wear a face mask. Mask. He doesn't have the authority to do that. Where Where is his authority? In the Constitution and laws, mm -hmm. right? Show me. Yeah. Show me where you have the authority to do that. In in Idaho, the governor does have the right to quarantine, but the governor does not have the right to quarantine healthy people. Mm. Very <laughs> right? good point. Very good point. Right, yeah. So if, if you have an outbreak of disease, in in uh, I believe in in the authority and inspiration of Scripture, and a biblical law. In Moses' Israel, if someone comes down with leprosy, the government can tell you that you have to go live outside the camp. The, right. 
that uh, quarantining is a biblical thing. Yes. But Moses wouldn't have the right to tell everybody, you must stay in your tent because you might get leprosy. Right. That, that's tyranny. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not part of the law. Yeah, totally. And I think, too, I mean, the risks are inherent all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, if you're a shepherd, right, uh, you know, just like David, uh, a lion or a bear or any other kind of thing might attack the flock. It, it, it risks are inherent with everything we do. Every time we get behind uh, the wheel of a car to operate it, uh, there's an inherent risk. Uh, and, and, and so there's also, I mean, I am not a lawyer, but that's often understood. I mean, there are inherent risks when you go and, and engage in certain activity. You don't need to sign a waiver for every single thing. It's understood in common law uh, that, uh, that you are uh, responsible for your own actions and taking on your own risks and whatever might incur uh, from that action, whatever the outcome might be, uh, you're responsible. Um, but we've gone from freedom to a, a freedom-dominant society to one of safety. And uh, I'm just wondering, and, and this is just my own take on it, and from my own observation, there is the law of unintended consequences where we did not intend for that to happen. But I can't help but feel, and I, this is not conspiratorial, uh, can't help but feel that some of this is intended. Some of this is um, orchestrated in some way uh, to prolong the effects of either this virus or this economic uh, situation that we're in. Um, it seems as though this very much is intended. What is your take on that? Yeah, I think the intentionality came in after the fact. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't I don't believe in a, like you, I don't believe in a conspiracy where mm -hmm. some James Bond villain right. said, said the Russian collusion story didn't work, release the virus. Right, right, right. right. There, there's I, nothing like that. But I do believe that Rahm Emanuel was speaking for this school of thought on the left where, when he said, never let a crisis go to waste. Right. Okay. So going into the election, going into the election in the fall, mm -hmm. the, whether you liked or loathed Donald Trump, the thing that he had going for him was the economy. Yes. Right. Uh, there were a lot of people, and I saw a room full of people who, uh, someone asked for a show of hands, how many of you Christians, a room full of Christian people, politically conservative activist types, how many of you didn't vote for Donald Trump the first time who are thinking about doing it now? Right. Okay. Numerous hands went up mm -hmm. because of judicial appointments and whatnot. Right. So. Okay, I still don't like his tweets. I still don't like his style. I still don't like this. But he he's making good judicial appointments, and the we, he's got the economy um, going for him. In the immortal words of James Carville, it's the economy stupid yes. under under Clinton. Clinton. Yeah. So so you have he had that going for him, and I believe the leftists were so desperate to um, get Donald Trump out. That they determined that they're going to wreck the economy, so he doesn't have a strong economy going into the election. So that's why these these lockdowns, mm. which for many of the blue states are are suicidal. You know, they would rather have wreckage in California or Illinois or Pennsylvania or New York, so that they can blame Donald Trump for the wreckage, mm -hmm. and then. Um, and then uh, uh, elect a leftist president, and he won't even have to wreck the country. It's already there. <laughs> right, 
Right, yeah, and so they leave uh, just a wake of carnage along the way, you know, so to speak, uh, and uh, then they can just blame him uh, for for the wreckage. Uh, right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, my, I want to transition to something else, and it, something I mentioned earlier, um, and that is just, you know, I think of, of, of news outlets like Christianity Today, there's others, certainly the Gospel Coalition uh, doesn't, uh, seems to censor in ways that they don't feature um, thoughts or other points of view and, and put those outside. Uh, and so if you're not a part of that group think uh, in terms of how you approach information, you don't uh, particularly ascribed to the elitist way of thinking or CNN or whatever, and don't accept at face value those talking points, um, you might be persona non grata. Uh, how is it, uh, you know, just uh, how are you viewing the current state of evangelicalism in terms of how these tribes are communicating or even processing this information? Because it seems as though some have completely ignored uh, what has been so obvious to the, to the common pastor. I think of the common pastor in the pulpit uh, all across the country uh, who are saying, this is absurd. This is outrageous. Uh, uh, but then right. our intellectual betters are often saying, no, 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 no. You need to listen and you don't need to uh, succumb to um, fear mongering or uh, you don't need to succumb to um, conspiracy theory or uh, these wild ideas. I, you know, uh, the Ed Stetzer article, for example, th those types of things. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? So I, I think that... Um America is more divided now mm -hmm. than it has been, I think, in any time since the 1850s mm -hmm. in the run-up in the run-up to the Civil War. Mm -hmm. uh, the difference is the divisions in America at that time were regional. You could you could you could have a an actual war between re regions. Now they're quasi-regional, right? I agree. So we, so we've got a red state, blue state thing, but the blue states have got a lot of red state thinking people in them, and the urban areas in the red states are often places where they think, you know, the, um, in some big bigger city, they think like they do in Manhattan or L.A., mm -hmm. right? So it's much more of a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. um, the the people at who are running the evangelical big Eva, the people who are um, manning the microphones, you know, they they have the magazine or the big uh, internet platforms and so forth, are far more interested in be having the approval of the cool kids mm -hmm. out in secular America. So secular America is divided between um, uh, the parts of America that are like Europe without castles. Mm. Right, <laughs> right, right. That makes sense. Europe there's the Europe without castles part, and then there's the um, Oklahoma, the people who go to the Oklahoma State Fair and ride in the rodeo. There's there's that America. Right. Then, and that America is not cool. Yeah. And and the leadership of evangelicalism takes is taking their signals about what is sophisticated, what is nuanced, what is appropriate from the upper echelons mm. of secular America. Right. Okay. And so they want to, they, the last thing in the world they want to be labeled as is racist or homophobic or misogynistic. The, the, those things 
because of their education and because of the circles they travel in, they are communicating those uh, reflexes to the people who are paying their salaries, the Christians, Christians in the pews mm -hmm. and the ordinary pastors. Mm -hmm. But I think, and, and this has resulted in an enormous disconnect. Yeah. Okay. I think that the, I think evangelical leadership is living in a bubble, mm. just just like the secular elites are living in their own bubble. Mm -hmm. And that and then what happens is you have an election like 2016, right? Where everybody says, "How could this happen?" No, no, I don't know anyone. <laughs> I don't know anyone who voted uh, for Donald Trump, right? And yet he got elected. Well, that maybe maybe you should get out more. Yeah. Maybe you should listen to people instead of lecturing them. Yeah, absolutely. And in that, that case, I know of at least one leading evangelical who already had a postmortem written up for a Hillary Clinton uh, electoral victory, knowing that it was certain and about ready to publish it and was just as surprised as all the others. Uh, all the rest uh, about the the victory. Just a couple of just a couple of more minutes, uh, Doug. Uh, just kind of final word. Um, I'd like just to what your prediction would be. You know f how this end this year might end. What is this going to look like in November or kind of leading up to? And uh, also just uh, tell us about some projects that you've got uh, coming forthcoming. Okay, so I'm what I'm expecting in and of course I would say like with Amos. I'm not a prophet, not not the son of a prophet. Yeah. I'm just I'm just telling you, I'm not predicting like I know what's going to happen, but I can tell you what I'm bracing for. Mm -hmm. Okay, what I, what I'm preparing myself for. I I believe that there's going to be a blowback reaction to the lockdowns. I I believe that there's going to be a lot of um pent-up frustration and hostility, and it's like the, this volcano is going to go, and the question is, where, which direction is the lava going to flow? Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit uh, difficult because um, President Trump has been, you know, leading, you know, press conferences, and he's been—he's not been opposing the lockdowns, right? Right. Right. Um, uh, he's been championing the lockdowns, but there's a little bit of um, th there's a an interesting feature in this, a little quirk in this. Back, you remember back when Obama was running for president the first time, or when when Hillary was running, their position on same-sex marriage. Yeah. At that time, same-sex mirage. Their position on same-sex mirage was they believed in a traditional marriage between a man and a woman. Period. Right. And nobody on, nobody on the left. Um, attacked them or assailed them or, or destroyed them for that. And the reason was nobody, absolutely nobody believed them. Mm -hmm. right, right, right. They were saying they were saying what they had to say, and everybody knew that as soon as they got into a position of influence and power, we'd get something like a Bergefell. Right. The, right? Yes. Um, so the, the, the president was dragged into the lockdown mode sort of reluctantly, when uh, when people have when governors were resistant, he was sort of on their side. When protesters in Michigan occupied the state capitol, he was saying, "Listen to their concerns." So he's been championing, you know, in his bravado way. He, uh, you know, I've been running these lockdown lockdowns, and they're the best lockdowns ever. You know, sure. <laughs> so ask anyone; they're the best lockdowns ever. 
But at the same time, I think the protesters, I think the protesters, the people who are chafing under it, are going to know that they have far more sympathy yeah. with from him yes. than they're going to get from anybody on the Democratic side. You can see it, you right. can see it in the blue state, red state opening up. California and New York are are locking down, locking down, locking down. Georgia, Florida, South Dakota never did close. Yeah. You know, so I think people have got that figured out. And I think the frustration with how this whole thing has been handled is going to result in a bloodbath for the Democrats. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's nationally. As a pastor, I'm expecting, I, quite honestly, I'm expecting a flood of refugees coming into Idaho. Yes. From, from people who are going to say, if coronavirus comes around again in the fall, we can't be there for that. We're, yeah. we're all. We're already getting people moving here who just showed up. Because yeah. I think we're going to get a, a bona fide refugee column. So, yeah. so I, I think that that's, that's what I'm bracing for, which indicates that there are people who are frustrated in ways that they can't tell the pollster. Yeah. Right? There's no natural outlet for their voice except uh, elections that astonish everybody. Yes. So I, I, I think that tw the 2020 presidential election and congressional elections are going to be full of unexpected surprises. Well, that's well said, and we'll leave it there. Pastor Doug, thank you so much for jumping on with us here at the Falkirk Center. Thank you for all you do over at uh, Blog and Mayblog. I want to encourage everybody to check out Man Rampant uh, there on Amazon Prime. Uh, I've enjoyed it. Great series there. And uh, your various sources. Anywhere else we can find you? No, if you go to Blog and May Blog, it's a clearinghouse. You can pretty much find anything I'm into. Fantastic. There. Fantastic. Thank you, Pastor Doug. Have a great day. Thank you. God bless. God bless.